people will often ask me in, in my years of, of ministry, is it okay to be angry with God? Can, can, can I be angry with God? If I had to guess or gamble, I would bet that every single one of you here, at least either at one point in your life, you've been angry at God. Some of you at most points in your life, you've been angry at God. And I would imagine there are people here tonight who are still angry with God right now. And I say I'm confident of that because I think we're just good at that. We're good at casting the blame on God and we're good at making him the, 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 our problem. He's our enemy. And I think we're so good at that. We do it on a multitude of levels. We may do it subconsciously. We may even do it consciously. Here's how I think it looks subconsciously. Maybe God didn't answer our prayers. Maybe God didn't give us the life that we think we deserve. Maybe God didn't, you know, pan, it, things didn't pan out for us, so we felt like God gave us a, a bad deal. And so we just sort of kind of, we don't tell him we, we're mad at him. We would never even say that we're mad at him. I'm mad at God because he didn't give me that job. But instead, we just sort of kind of push him away. You know, I'm, I'm, I don't trust you anymore. I'm just going to push you away. We do that to people all the time right? You might get into an argument with someone. You might be hurt by someone. And instead of going to them and say, I'm angry at you or letting them have it, you just kind of say, eh, yeah, I'm just going to push you away. I'm going to push you as far. I'm not going to talk to you because you hurt me and I don't trust you anymore. And so we, I think we do that all the time to God. I, I do. So we do it subconsciously. And I wonder if there's anyone in the room who admit to doing it consciously. You know, consciously, you just shake your fist up at God and say, why? Like Cool Hand Luke. Anyone seen Cool Hand Luke? You up there, old man? You got something to say to me? I, I liked that movie. If you haven't seen that movie, rent it tonight. It's a good movie. You got something to say to me? I'm going to give it to you, God. So we're good at being angry at God. I, I'm good at it. I'll, I'll tell you a story if I can. When I was a junior in college, I um, experienced a bitter breakup with a girl. And I was mad at the world, and I was especially mad at God, because for some reason, it was all his fault. Um, everything is his fault. At this time in my life, I was a philosophy major, and so I, had, I was really drawn and attracted to this issue of predestination or predeterminism. So for me, everything was predetermined. If my transmission went out in my car, it's God's fault. If I, if I didn't get a high tax return that year, God's fault. If a girl broke up with me, it's God's fault. And so everything was God's fault at that time in my life. You'll be happy to know I don't think that way anymore. Seminary corrected me. Uh, but I, at that point, everything was God's fault. And so the summer before, I went to Africa on a mission trip, my first mission trip. I raised money from friends and family in order to go on this trip. But I felt bad. I felt bad <laughs> traveling the world on someone else's dime. So this next summer, I was going to South America, and I decided I was going to raise my own money. I was just going to get a job and pay my own way. And I'm just going to be honest with you now. I wouldn't have said this then, but I'm going to tell you now. I was dealing with pride on two levels there. First, I was too proud to ask the saints of God to support me on a mission trip. And that was wrong. And secondly, there was an element of pride in me that said, I paid my own way for this trip. And this will come up later in my story, as you'll see. So I go to South America. I have no idea where I am. I'm all by myself. They put me on this little boat with one national to go to this little island in the middle of nowhere. I have no idea. I don't even know the name of this island. I get there, and this national takes me to the house. It says, this is the house you're sleeping in. It's just a small little house that no one had slept in in probably months. It was dusty and dirty. And I was sleeping on the floor, hardwood floor, with nothing between me and the floor but one white sheet. 
And she said, tomorrow morning, we're going to pick you up on a bus. We're going to take you to the far south end of this island, and you're going to teach vacation Bible school to a bunch of children. And then after lunch, you're going to get back on that bus, and you're going to go to the north side of the island, and you're going to teach um, summer camp for high school students. So I laid there on that sheet all night long trying to figure out what was I going to say to these two different groups of people, South Americans. I don't even know Spanish, right? I'm busting my brain trying to figure out what Bible story I'm going to tell, what curriculum, you know, I'm going to invent overnight, what activities I'm going to play, what games. I'm, and I'm just getting frustrated because I, I'm, you know, I'm a Christian. I should know. Come on, just tell them the story of David and Goliath, you know, but I couldn't come up with anything. And it was hot and I was sticky and I can't sleep when I'm hot and sticky. And to make matters worse, there are bats flying over my head. And I promise you, I got up to use the bathroom at one point, and one buzzed me. So I'm lying there. I can hear the bats chirping. I've already kicked off my mosquito net because it was suffocating me. And so now I'm being eaten alive by mosquitoes, and I'm afraid I'm going to get malaria. And I'm also still hurting over this bitter breakup. So finally, I explode, and I shake my fist at God and say, Why can't you just let me get some sleep? It's four in the morning. I've been praying all night. Please let me sleep. You won't tell me what to say to these people. You won't give me a word from the Lord. For, I paid my own way for this trip. The least you can do is let me sleep. Now, I believe that I said that. I can believe that I would say something like that. But I also can't believe that I would say something like that. I paid my own way. <laughs> you owe me. And if I can be honest with you... <laughs> If I can be honest with you, that night began for me a five to six year journey in which I was angry at God and angry and bitter at everything about my life. And I don't know if I've ever really recovered from that. I was so angry with God that I started self-imploding and self-destructing, and it took a long time for me to realize that God was for me and not against me, and sometimes I still don't believe that. And so I know a little bit about being angry with God. And that's why I think I like this story. I like Jonah because I can relate to Jonah in his running away from God and I can relate to Jonah in his being angry with God. How about you? Can you relate? Have you ever been angry with God? Maybe if you're really willing to be vulnerable, maybe you would tell us if you are angry right now and why. Are you sensing some bitterness in your life and anger towards God? Do you blame him? So let's talk about that at our tables for about three minutes. Are you angry or have you ever been angry? I think we can be angry at God for all kinds of reasons. All of us are angry for different reasons. C.S. Lewis used to say he was angry at God for not existing. So before in his early career, he was a staunch atheist. He believed that there was no God. And he said, and I was angry at him for not existing. <laughs> Isn't that interesting how so many atheists can be angry with God? I mean, you see it a lot. In fact, there have actually been psychological studies that say that atheists and agnostics are more angry with God than those who espouse to believe in God. For instance, in the journal of... 
um, some psychological journal. I don't read these things in my spare time, but I did find this. The Journal of Personality and Social Psychology said, at first glance, the findings seem to reflect an error. Well, that doesn't make sense. How could people be angry with God if they don't believe in God? So a reanalysis of a second data set, so they did more studies, and it revealed similar patterns. Those who endorse their religious beliefs as atheist or agnostic, or even none and unsure, reported more anger toward God than those who reported a religious affiliation. I think that's very interesting. Something we should explore a little bit. Here's what I think, and I may be wrong. I'm not a psychiatrist. Um, I didn't even read that whole article. I just found that quote. But... <laughs> But I will say this, I think sometimes we get mad at God, he doesn't answer my prayer the way I wanted him to, he doesn't answer any of my prayers for crying out loud, and so we start to push him away, and say, well, I don't trust him, the Bible said he'll answer my prayers, and he didn't, and so then we, we push him away, and somehow we push him so far away, it's more convenient for us to say, well, he doesn't exist, and that makes me mad, because he should exist, and he should be sitting right here answering my prayers. So we all are angry at God for different reasons, and some of us may be so angry at God, we've pushed him completely off the map and said he doesn't even exist. Maybe you're here tonight, and you've been angry with God. Maybe you're here tonight, and you are angry with God, and you've pushed him away, and you've created this distance between you and, and he. Maybe you're self-destructing, self-imploding, like Jonah is in this story. Maybe you've gone so far that it's more convenient for you to say, I don't even know if he exists. And if that's you tonight, as it has been me in the past, I want you to know God has something to say to us. He has something to ask us. And so that leads us to the second question, which is God, after listening to Jonah whine and cry and moan about his situation and wanting to die, God says, do you do well to be angry? And in the Hebrew, that question is only three words long. And the way the question is phrased, it's like this Hebrew colloquialism. It, it's, it's just it's kind of like this zinger. It's like this right hook. God says, do you do well? It's, five, it's three words. And it, by the way that it's phrased, by, by the popularity of this statement in Hebrew, this question, what it means is this. Jonah, you need to check yourself. You need to search your heart. You need to examine your thoughts. You need to even think about the words you're saying. Are, are you kidding me? Have, do you hear yourself? That's what those three words mean. And so I'll say it again. If you're here tonight and you're angry with God and you've pushed him at a great distance from you and you're bitter and you're self-destructing and you're saying stupid things like he doesn't exist... God's asking you at the same time, you need to check yourself. You need to look into your heart. You need to search your mind and you need to think about what you're thinking about. Do, do you do well to be angry with God? How's that working for you? <laughs> I can tell you from experience, it don't work. You just continue to self-implode and self-implode and self-implode. Until finally God says, how's that working for you? So I don't know why you're angry, if you're angry, 
But I do know why Jonah's angry. Let's, let's first establish why Jonah's angry. Why is Jonah so angry? Why is Jonah so angry at God? Now, in the Hebrew, it says he was displeased exceedingly. And, and literally, it could be translated, it was evil to Jonah, a great evil in his sight. And so it's just like back in chapter one, where the sailors were afraid, they had fear, a great fear. In Hebrew, if you take a verb and turn it into a noun, a fear, a great fear, you just make it into a huge, ginormous fear. In this story, it was evil, a great evil. It's a huge, great evil. So in Jonah's eyes, what God has done is evil in his sight. And that evil in his sight that God had done burned in him an anger. He just wanted to die. He was so mad at God. I'm going to self-destruct until I die because of you. Why? Why is he so angry? Because God gave grace to the Assyrians, the wicked. And, and, and in Jonah's mind, in Jonah's sight, that was pure evil. Now, I think it's purposefully ironic that the only two times that Jonah says anything to God in this story is once from the belly of the fish and once from this hillside. And both prayers are about God's grace. Let me unpack that for you. When he's in the belly of the fish, he cries out to God and says, Oh Lord, you are merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. Won't you give me grace? And now in chapter four, from this hillside, he says, I knew that you were merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And you gave them grace. Isn't that ironic? I can hear God say, uh, Jonah, really? <laughs> Did you hear what you said? Number one, Lord, give me grace. You're so awesome. Number two, I can't believe you gave him grace. You're so evil. <laughs> you see, Jonah, his anger reveals to us that he doesn't get God's grace. Last week we were talking about this. I don't think we get God's grace. Jonah's, e Jonah's anger reveals to us that he doesn't get God's grace and he doesn't understand himself. He doesn't understand his own sinfulness, his own undeservedness of, of that grace. Let me give a, a definition of grace real quick since we're talking about it so much. The title of this series is The Depths of Grace. And so what is grace, Mike? Well, here's a good definition. Got from a book I recently read by Chavidian. Grace is unconditional acceptance granted to an undeserving person by an unobligated giver. I'll read it again because it's important. Grace is unconditional acceptance granted to an undeserving person by an unobligated giver. God's grace is unconditional. There's no condition. We've earned no condition. And so he's unobligated to give it to us. And we are also undeserving and he just gives it to us. No conditions that have been met and no obligation on his part. Jonah has obligated God to give him that grace. In fact, from the belly of the fish, he says, Lord, I worship you. I praise your name. I know that you are a God of mercy, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. So therefore, be true to your character and show me grace. But Jonah reveals that he doesn't understand grace and he doesn't even understand his own deserving, deservedness 
because he's angry about the fact that God, who is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, gives that grace to others aside from himself. So what does that mean about us and our anger? You don't deserve it either. And when you're angry with God, it just reveals, A, you don't get grace. You don't get it at all. But most importantly, you don't get your own undeservedness. You actually think that you deserve something. You believe that God owes something to you. This was my plan, God. I paid my way for this trip, God. You owe me a good night's sleep at least. God, you should have answered that prayer for me. God, this should not have happened to me. I want to ask another question, another discussion question, and that is this, because I want to get to the root of this. I hope we, we can. Explain how your anger stems from the fact that, two things, you don't get how undeserving you are, and you don't get how gracious he is. Your anger with God stems from the fact that you don't get grace and you don't get yourself on how sinful and undeserving you are. Let's talk about that for 3.10 seconds. Well, it's interesting to me. Commentators will say that of all the people in this story, Jonah is the one who deserve God's grace the least. Of all the people in this story, if anyone deserves God's anger and wrath and judgment, it's Jonah. I mean, it's a good thing I'm not God because if I were, I'd kill him. I mean, he wants to die, right? Take my life. I was like, fine, die. You self-centered, arrogant camel. You have no idea how much I've given you. Do you remember the fish? How could you forget you still smell like him, you know? And, and yet you, now you're saying, oh, I want to die. How could you do this? But you and I are just like Jonah. We don't deserve the Apostle Paul would say, I'm the chief of sinners. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be compared to Apostle Paul. <laughs> if he's the chief, then I'm, I don't know. We don't deserve any of it. And not only has he given us grace, but we don't even understand how much he's really given us. Because just like Jonah, we're self-centered, arrogant little twerps, and we think we deserve something. Everything, by golly. And so, I'll say this again. If you're here tonight, and you've been angry with God, and you've been bitter about some things, maybe you should examine that. And maybe your anger stems from the fact that you think you deserve something, and it also stems from the fact that you don't know what you've already been given. So very much. Jonah can say with his mouth, I know that you're a merciful God, slow to anger, and, and steadfast love. But he doesn't get that with his heart. He doesn't get it at all. And you and I are just like Jonah. We don't get it. But God wants us to get it. God doesn't kill him. He's not me. <laughs> God gives him no wrath God doesn't even slap him on the hand. We think he does, right? We think he sends a storm. He sends a, a fish. He's going to send an east wind. But that's, but that's not what God's doing. God's not punishing Jonah at all. If you look at it, how tenderly and how patient God is with Jonah. He never says anything mean to him. He asks him a few questions. And then he's going to be extravagant. 
Just like he sent a great storm and a great fish, next week he's going to send a big old tree to give him shade. He's going to send a worm to eat the tree, and then he's going to send a big east wind to make him hot and sticky with bats flying over his head. And then he's doing all of this so that Jonah will get it. Do you get it? I love you. I want you to see how much I love you, and I want you to understand how much I love the world. And Jonah doesn't get it, and you and I don't get it, but God wants us to get it. He wants us to grasp and to understand his grace and his love. So I wonder if you can take a trip with me. Let's go on a little mental journey. Imagine with me, if you will, a different time, a different time in history. Let's go to a different tree on a different hill overlooking a different city. And that city is full of people who are angry with God. That city wants God to die. They want to kill him. And you know what God does? He shows up in the most vulnerable, in the most humblest way. He shows up as a human. He takes on flesh and bone and blood. And he says, you want to take my life? Take it. I gladly lay it down for you. And so they took a whip with metal and glass and leather and literally ripped the skin off of his bones. And they beat him and they spit on him. And they kicked him and they led him out of their city up to that hill where they were going to execute him publicly on that tree. And as they led him up, they spit on him and they yelled and they hurled insults at him. The Bible says they ripped his beard from his face and they cheered. Let's kill him. They wanted God dead. This was the man that raised the dead. This was the man that healed the sick. This is the man that gave grace and mercy and comfort to the widows and was kind and compassionate to the lowest of the low of that city. And yet they want to kill him. They didn't get it. So as they were spitting on him and as they were hurling insults at him and as they were beating him and nailing his hands to the cross and nailing his feet to the cross. Do you know what he did? Do you know what he said? He prayed to his father in heaven and said, God, forgive them. He said, Father, forgive them because they, they don't know what they're doing. They don't know their left hand from the right hand. So if you're angry at God, if you're bitter at God, can I just tell you this? I am certain that he is not angry with you. You may be hurting and you may be running, but the story of the Bible is constantly teaching us that he hurts with you and he's running after you. He loves you with an extravagant kind of relentless pursuit of a love. He wants you. He wants you to get his grace. He wants you to get his mercy. He wants you to see how undeserving you are so that you'll understand how much you've really been given. And then we won't be angry with God. 
And so if you are angry with God, if you are bitter with God tonight, I would encourage you to examine yourself and tell God. Why not? Why not just tell him? Get it out in the open. God, I'm mad at you because you didn't answer this prayer or because you didn't give me this job or because you didn't give me this wife or husband. Just, get, just have a heart-to-heart -heart with God. All you really have to do is turn around. He's right there. He's pursuing you. He's been pursuing you. And he wants to have a relationship with you. God loves you so much, the Bible says, that he gave his only son to die for your sin so that your sin would be paid for and you can have reconciliation with God. Don't you want to be reconciled with God? Tonight, you can be reconciled to God. My prayer for you is that as you come to God and have a heart-to-heart, -heart, your heart will be filled with the love of Christ. And then, as Paul says to the Ephesians, you would understand the length and the height and the depth of God's love and God's grace. And so we're going to take communion. And if you are been angry with God and if you've been bitter with God, this would be a perfect time to admit that, to talk about that. If you're a non-believer or a non-Christian in this room, I would like to pray with you before you take communion. We can, I can meet you in the back. We'll, we'll pray together. If you're a believer in this room and you're not willing to talk to God about your anger, then maybe you shouldn't take communion. Maybe you should forego it this week until you're ready to get right with God. And for the rest of us, maybe you're not angry at all. Maybe you just want to be thankful for what God has given you. A lot of grace, a lot of mercy and a lot of love. I believe that we're commanded in scripture to take communion every week. Jesus said, do it as often as you gather. And so we have a cup and we have some bread in front of us. And as the band comes forward and begins to lead us in worship, um, my recommendation would be that you would just take a piece of the bread. When Jesus died, uh, the night before Jesus died or was, was, was on trial, he, he met with his disciples. He told them that the this cup was his blood that was spilt for our sins. And this bread was the body, his body that was broken for our sins. And, and I would just recommend that you dip this bread into the cup and then flip it over like this so it doesn't drip onto this carpet and then take it whenever you feel led. But this is also a time that Paul says we should confess our sins and we should judge our bodies rightly because we're reflecting on the body and the blood of Christ that was shed for us, the gift that was given to us. And we didn't deserve it, and we still don't deserve it. And so let's worship Christ together through his holy communion. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, I, I, you know, I, I can admit that I am often very angry. Maybe I'm angry with you. Maybe I just don't like myself very much. Maybe I'm just a bitter person. Maybe I haven't really understood the grace that you've given me, and maybe I'm not willing to give that to others, and so my life sometimes can be miserable. I pray, Lord, that as we worship you through communion and through prayer and through confession and through thanksgiving and through worship in this next 15, 20 minutes, I pray, Lord, that you'll deal with our hearts, that you'll examine our hearts, that you'll seek out our ways and that you'll reveal some truth that would free us, that would free us from the bitterness and the anger that we've been hanging on to for far too long. And we'll ask these things because 
We know that you love us and you have more for us if we're willing to trust you. In Jesus' name.